Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 800. Today on Cars Yeah, I'm doing something a little different. To celebrate the over 800 inspiring automotive enthusiasts I've talked with here on Cars Yeah. Television celebrity and car matchmaker Spike Ferrison is here, and we'll talk about his newest venture into podcasting today here on Cars Yeah. Hey, Mark, congratulations on 800 shows. That's a number that, well, Chevy Chase at Fox didn't reach. <laughs> this is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special returning guest, Spike Ferriston. Hey, Spike, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am. I am. Two out of 800 shows. I'm doing pretty well. I'm like Alec Baldwin is to SNL. <laughs> there you go. Really not, actually. Well, we'll stay on, we'll stay on the track of cars today. How does that sound? Sounds good. All right. Spike Ferriston is the co-CEO at Hangar 56 Media. He's a past automotive emotor at Esquire Network, where he had three successful seasons on the TV show Car Matchmaker. He's a former presenter at Fox Television Studios. He was a writer-producer at the TV show Seinfeld, where he earned three Emmy nominations, and on Late Night with David Letterman, where he earned five Emmy nominations. Today, Spike is launching a new project, it's a cars and comedy podcast titled Spike's Car Radio. He records live from the porch of his favorite breakfast spot, the Malibu Kitchen, from 10 a.m. till noon on Sundays, where you'll frequently see him with a cool car parked out in front. He'll answer all your car matchmaking questions, and he'll talk about cars over a cup of coffee and a tasty breakfast. So, Spike, last time we talked, I was celebrating my first year here on Cars, yeah? That was back, uh, let's see, you were guest 276 then. Now, <laughs> pretty incredible. Now you're guest 800. So, uh, oh my gosh. And back then you were entering your second season with Esquire's Car Matchmaker TV yes. show. Yeah, which was cool. So, uh, before we talk about your newest venture, Spike's Car Radio, uh, what were some of your favorite memories about Car Matchmaker? Well, Car Matchmaker's still alive. The network is dead. But the show is still alive, so I haven't really got into the reflecting part of that just yet. For those who don't know, Esquire lost their carriage agreement, and what that means in television is the network was doing fine. It was profitable. In fact, in its last year, I believe it made $56 million in profit. Not a lot, but made, made a lot. My show was uh, growing every year, year to year, in the right kind of ways, and Unfortunately, there's this thing in television, as it's explained to me, called the skinny bundle, where people don't want to order 200, 300 channels. They'd rather order 50 or 60. So what happens is with these carriage agreements, DirecTVs and Dish and Time Warner and any of these other operations decide, well, NBC, we don't want all your channels. Give us just your big ones. And that means this little one, this fledgling Esquire network, which people really did love, didn't really have the proper chance to launch. So they transitioned to online, but really just stopped making new content. That's the important part to know. 
And, you know, we're in the process of finding that next home for Car Matchmaker. And I hope to have news on that front very soon. Very soon, actually. Oh, cool. Well, that's very good news because I thought for a while there that that might be the end. But I'm so excited to hear that there's an opportunity coming down the road to use a no, plan. Actually, it's been a nice little break, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Three seasons pretty quickly in two years and yeah. uh, have been able to now segue into launching my own production company and uh, this podcast just among many other things that I'm doing. Absolutely fantastic. Well, I'm going to get into a bunch of questions here. We're going to talk about Car Matchmaker because a lot of this new podcast has to do with people asking you questions about it. So the first thing I have for you is what were some of the biggest challenges of Car Matchmaker? And did all those people really end up buying the cars you matched them with? Well, I never bother to follow up with them. They, you know, we're a test drive show. We're a tactile pleasure show. And, you know, I can't legally require them to buy the cars. <laughs> but yes, they are strongly screened at the top of the audition process to be sure that they are in the market for a car. And I do bump into the people who are uh, from Los Angeles a lot. Uh, Daryl Jones, most recently, um, he's at the gym that I work out in. He was in the BMW that he bought that he picked on the show. So I do see those from now and again. Sometimes it takes someone uh, a year or two to actually pull the trigger on a car. But, um, you know, I catch up with those folks on Facebook and, you know, occasionally they go, you know what? I, I had second thoughts after I decided I was going to buy the Chevy Volt. I decided to go with the Mercedes. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I don't care. But what we're providing is for not just the person on the show, but for the viewer at home, a comparison so that to help them make better decisions. Yeah, absolutely. What was the biggest lesson that you learned after three seasons of Car Matchmaker? Um, let's see. Pete, you can't fake it. A buyer cannot fake enthusiasm. If they are not really in the market for a show, they're not going to be able to get through the whole episode. So I would weed those folks out who I could tell just wanted to be on television. Ah, there you go. Very good. Well, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about your next great adventure uh, with a focus of cars, of course, because you <laughs> are a car guy, the car matchmaker. What made you decide to move over to podcasting as one of your many ventures of what you're doing now? And I know you're going to do the show from the Malibu Kitchen. I follow you on Facebook. I see your car parked out in front of there. I think you eat breakfast there every day, it seems like. Feels like it, doesn't it? It sure feels <laughs> like it, yeah. So, uh what has you really excited and fired up about Spike's Car Radio? Okay, Spike's Car Radio, for years, we've been going to the Malibu Kitchen. In fact, I started going there many, many years ago when I lived in Hollywood and I had some of these cars. And I remember on a Saturday, I was looking through a magazine at a beautiful Porsche on a beautiful mountain road. And I realized, my God, that's that's Malibu. Those are the canyons of Malibu. What am I doing sitting at home? Why am I not out driving? So I called up a friend and we, we blasted up the PCH and then into Encinal Canyon and came down to the Malibu Country Mart to get lunch. And it was this place, the Malibu Kitchen. At the time, I didn't know the fellow who, who was running it. But it was one of the greatest driving afternoons of my life. And I was so grateful that this was in my backyard, that it suddenly became this thing to do on the weekends to just blow off some steam. And, you know, we Instagram it a lot. And we're always putting it out. It makes it look like we're always there. We're really not. I, it, it's like the equivalent of you going out for a cup of coffee. That's what I'm doing. I run out for a cup of coffee right. and then I get back to work. Or on the weekends, I have lunch with three or four guys the same way, you know, all, all men really do, right? My dad used to get together at the Dunkin' Donuts in Massachusetts with his buddies in the butcher shop. And we're just doing the same thing. We're talking about the cars we drive. I happen to, you know, obviously being the world of comedy, so I'm with comedians occasionally. 
we start talking comedy. We start talking about whatever's going on. You know, what's going on. You know, Comey testifying today would maybe take up 15 seconds of what we were talking <laughs> about there. But the whole time we were there and we are there, you know, I, I brought Jerry into it. And then uh, my friend Paul Zuckerman, who's a personal injury attorney. And then, you know, lots of folks from the car community, Matt Farah, I've had lunch with and I meet people out there, you know, who I don't expect to meet, like Jeremy Piven, who's looking for help with a car. The whole time we were there, we're like, we really got to figure out how to turn this into something. That's all we knew. Let's turn it into something. And about a year ago, I was in New York, um, I think, doing promoting Car Matchmaker, and I had breakfast with Jerry Seinfeld. And we were talking, 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 can't wait to get out to Bill's. And he goes, uh, he goes, have you done anything with that podcast from Bill's? And I'm like, I, I don't know what it is yet. And he goes, you know what? It's not a podcast. It's a porchcast. And I went, ah, the porchcast. <laughs> and that crystallized the whole idea for me. Yeah. The idea that when I'm out there with uh, Jerry or Paul or anybody or with, sitting there having breakfast, there are always people kind of, you know, with their ear up, maybe listening. And there's certainly people on the Internet going, God, I really wish I could come out and hang out with you. And I thought, if I broadcast from the porch, maybe I could leave a seat open for the listener so that they'll get a little glimpse into what we're doing out here. If that's even anything, we don't know yet. We don't know if that's going to be anything. But at least if you can't get your butt to Malibu, you can kind of sit with us and listen to us and maybe we'll uh, export Malibu to you. Yeah, no, it sounds like a wonderful idea. It's a lot like how this whole concept for Cars Yeah came along. It was my son saying, Dad, you can't walk by a guy with his car without stopping and talking to him. That's right. Why don't you do that all the time? So, very cool. Well, so, how is this going to work for the listeners? I know that on Facebook you said, hey, you can personal message me a question to have on the show. Can people show up to the porch and stop in and say hello? I think this first one, uh, they're going to be allowed to. It's, it's not, we're not going to record every Sunday at the same time. You know, obviously, as you know, with guests, you just book them when you can book them. Um, so podcast one has a studio in Beverly Hills. They've got to give me a producer with portable equipment. And, you know, we're going to record as much as we can from Malibu, but already we're moving around. We're going to be across town talking to Chris Hardwick next week. And I want to take this device and producer to events so I can kind of, bring this world of cars that I know and that I'm around directly to my listeners, if the, if that makes sense. And, you know, I, I don't so far, again, I haven't done it yet. It's going to be a process of discovery, but it's going to be a little more of an entertainment car show. So if that makes sense, like you know, just this morning, I was watching John Cena review his new Lamborghini, this green <laughs> Lamborghini he put together on his YouTube channel. I went, that's a perfect guess for me. He's a guy who loves cars, but also has this thriving uh, career in entertainment and wrestling. Uh, That's the type of guy I want to have on the show. So, you know, obviously Seinfeld's a guy like that. You know, there's a world of car guys that most people don't know about. Michael Strahan, who, you know, is hosting just about every show on television, big car guy. You know, those that's where I'm going to start. We'll see where it we'll see where it leads. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds like a lot of fun for sure. Well, speaking of fun, speaking of cars, let's go back in time a little bit. I know you have some very cool cars, and many of your cars are bucket list cars for me. The 58 Speedster, I was born in 58. Oh, yeah. Great one. Always wanted one. The Long Hood, Circle 8 car. So tell our listeners a little bit about a couple of your collector cars and maybe some uh, unique idiosyncrasies about those cars. Well, the 58 really is, um, I have a long and storied uh, history with it. It's a car I bought at auction. I can't remember. It wasn't Bonhams. It was some other little auction house. And it was, 
you know, just something I always thought was beautiful and wanted and didn't know that much about. And I got it uh, pretty cheaply, and I've owned it since, I think, maybe 1999 or 2000, somewhere in there. So it's a car that I drove in Hollywood and parked on a street for many, many years and then restored and made as perfect as I want to make it between then and now. As recently as last year when I had John Wilhoyt put in one of those twin plug motors in it, 150 horsepower, and he said, you know, he asked me some great questions. He goes, what do you want this to drive like? And fortunately for me, I have friends who have the full Wilhoyt 58 Speedster, and then I have friends who've got the perfectly unrestored Preservation 58, and then mine's, you know, this outlaw in the middle. So I drove both of those Speedsters. And I immediately understood what I wanted. I wanted all the power of a John Wilhoyt engine, but I wanted everything else to feel 1958. So we redid drum brakes. We put, I think there's one sway bar in there, but I said, I want this to feel like an old car. I want it to feel insane and that maybe it will tip over at speed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want it to not feel like the speed because that's what I love about this car. So that car has been, and I, I think it's the only one, the only kind of outlaw expression of what I like in a car, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like all the changes I've made to it are about me. And I felt okay about doing that because it never came with its original engine and it came to me in silver paint, even though it was originally white and it had already been modified. So I felt okay about not returning it back to perfect preservation, white, black speedster with a matching engine. Right. Right. Oh yeah, exactly. And I just, I, I, Used it in my wedding when my kids get married. I, my kids got married when I. <laughs> They're a little young, aren't they, for marriage? <laughs> when I had it when I had babies. I always put them in the seat. I do that dumb stuff that you see in the magazine. And prop the baby up and the kids, and yeah. you know, it's just it's a family member at this point. It's, yeah. it's a it's a wonderful car. And then I I think the other car, I, you know, I like my '68 Trans Am race car. It's cool. I'm not a big fan of red cars, <laughs> but I like it. It's it's an awesome car. Oh yeah. Um, but the cars that really get to the core of who I am as a car guy are GT3s. I mean, those cars resonate with me, every single one of them that I've ever driven. And and, and the first one that I owned was a 996 GT3 that I leased, as a matter of fact. Boy, talk about a bad financial arrangement. <laughs> but, you know, what What I remember about it is uh, the day I had to give it back, I felt bad about that. I was like, gosh, I really love this car. And then um, after that, I have 997 GT3 RS, which I love. And now I'm driving the 991 GT3. Um, that's the one that's in my garage right now. I'm actually sitting uh, right above it. And, uh, you know, I've got a new GT3 on order, and I'm feeling a little sad that I've got to get rid of this one to get that one, you know? Right. Because I really am not done with the 2015. I'm really enjoying it. And, I, you know, every single time I get in it, it delivers satisfaction, and that's what I look for in one of these cars. Oh yeah. Well, when you're ready to uh, let that one go, give me a call. I'd love to have, <laughs> love to have one of those cars. I haven't spent much time in one, but I got to drive a GT2 from Sacramento back to Gig Harbor where I live mm -hmm. and, uh, picked it up for a friend. It was brand new, drove it all the way back. That's a different car. That's a Widowmaker. That thing gets away from you. You're in trouble. You know what I'm saying? It's very fast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not even the speed. See, just you saying GT2, I'm thinking about being on Willow Springs in a GT2 on the backside and having the rear end get away from me. And I was already doing 60 or 70 and having it suddenly jump out from under me. That, you know, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, that'll wake you up better than a I, cup of I coffee. Need something that's a little more forgiving for me. I understand. I understand. Well, here's a question for you. Is there ever a car you've bought that you later realized, what on earth was I thinking? Yeah. Oh, sure. Twice. Two times come to mind. 
I remember I was, you know, because I, I actually have an entertainment career. I'm not just a car guy. So I remember being very busy with a script and my lease was coming up on my daily driver. And I remember calling the guy and saying, look, just get me into something. There was a new Range Rover coming out, new Range Rover Sport, but not for a couple of years. Just get me a lease for two years. I don't quite care what it is. And he said, really? And he said, two years is it. He called me and said, there, there's a Mercedes E350 uh, that you can get, two-year lease, pretty decent rate. And I said, that's just perfect. You know what I'll do? Let's get that. I'm going to give it to my wife. And then she's got this old beat-up uh, Prius that's about to go in. <laughs> I'm just going to live with that for a little while and then drive my GT3. I'll, I'll daily drive the GT3 and use the Prius when I've got to put kids in it. It's yep. a big mistake, by the way, that I'm telling <laughs> you. So anyways, I never, unfortunately, asked my wife. I just said, send the car over, sign the paperwork. And she said, you know, I, I don't want a Mercedes E350. <laughs> She's a very uh, left-wing, progressive, green person and wants to walk the walk, not just talk the talk. And she's like, I'm very happy with my old Prius. Yep. And that's what I want to put out to the world, which I love about her. It's very expensive for me, but it re it blew my plan. And now I was stuck in a Mercedes E350, a beautiful car, by the way. But every day I drove it, a little bit of my soul died. Oh, yeah. every single day. And I would see my friends or I'd see people like you and they would go and I'd roll the window down. They go, what are you doing in that? <laughs> or I didn't know that was you. That's not the type of thing you drive. And it, every it was a daily embarrassment <laughs> for me, which I know how that sounds. Being embarrassed driving a Mercedes. I, I love the brand. It's just this particular car. My friends knew this was not me in any way. So that that was one big mistake I made. The other one was just recently when, you know, I'm a huge Porsche fan. So, when it, again, for some reason, this car is always an issue for me, this daily driver car. I called up my friend Dean at Auto Gallery and I said, just send me over a Cayenne, just whatever, whatever you got. And he, he said, sure. He goes, have you driven? And I said, I haven't really had time to spend any real time behind the wheel. But yeah, it's send it over. I love all Porsches. <laughs> he sent over beautiful silver uh, Cayenne. I don't like my SUVs high powered or, you know, uh, Range Rover SVRs. I don't like high horsepower things. I like those in my car. I said, I just need this for the dog, the kids, the skateboards, the bikes, et cetera, et cetera. He put it in my driveway. I filled it out of the paperwork. You want to drive it? Nope, don't want to drive it. And then he took off. I finished my work. He went down to the driveway. I drove it around the block, back in my driveway, and I was so depressed. Oh, no. <laughs> Just not the truck for me. This yeah. is not what I need. A perfectly nice thing, but what am I going to do? And I sat here for a little bit, and then I, you know, Dean's a friend, and I just, I called Dean up, and I said, you got to Get me um, out of this. <laughs> yeah. And he said, well, what do you mean? I just got back to Woodland Hills. And I go, I'm sorry. But if you, I, I know if I, if we go through this now, it's going to be better that I won't be thinking about it for the next three years. This car that I, frankly, really dislike driving. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> just find me a Range Rover Sport. I know this works in my life. And he did. And I love that car. And, you know, there you go. So there's that, you know, an, a, one other car. And it, it, it's always the same for your listeners. Get out and drive these. All three of these stories are about not taking the time to drive the car and give it a shot. And I did it with a, a car that I pined for for many years, a 73 911S, silver black, owned by someone in Malibu that we sat on, Sam and I, just uh, uh, told the guy, we would like to buy your car at a future time, just let us know when it's going to be for sale. After a couple of years, he said, it's for sale. We bought it, sight unseen. I went down to the hangar and I turned the key and drove it and I hated it. <laughs> I you know, and it's something I didn't know, which is, is uh, 
it's not like the RS. It's I had a 73 RS at the time, a 73T at the time, and a 7911S. And those are all beautiful cars to drive. And this one felt just didn't I just didn't bond with it. I don't know what it was, but from that very first drive, I just went, "This isn't me," yeah. you know. And, and that car, I can't stop thinking about. I sold it to Bobby Rahal, and uh, he he gave me some uh, crap about it. I saw Bobby <laughs> in uh, in Florida. And he said, he goes, I don't understand how you can sell a car that you don't like. And I, I said, well, isn't that what everybody does? Well, yeah. You, sell cars, you don't sell cars you love. You right. sell cars you don't like, Bobby Rahal. Yeah. <laughs> but you got a pretty damn good deal, as I recall. I know the price you bought it for. And it was an all-original silver black, a 911S with 20,000, 25,000 miles on it, former Otis Chandler car. Oh, wow. You know what I think was going on? Otis Chandler, who owned the LA Times. I, I think he was a tall I, – I know he was a tall guy, and I think he had set up this car for a tall guy. So I think it had short gears in it. I think he had the seat lowered. And there were a lot of little things that I didn't really address that I could have addressed. Right. You know, it, the paint was original, so uh, it had crazing on it, which is like the, these cracks, which is – you know, cool if you're a preservationist, but at the time, I, you know, I couldn't live with stuff like that. So, right. you know, I chose to just jettison the whole project. Absolutely. Well, the takeaway from there, and I have so many friends who've lusted after a car their whole life. They finally get to a financial state where they can go buy one. Yes. They make the mistake of not driving it. They just go buy it and they bring it back. I had a friend who bought an early Corvette. Wanted one forever. He went and bought it, spent all this money, got home, and he said, this is like driving a freaking truck. That's right. I hate it. I hate it. So the fantasy goes away. Understood. No, we dealt with that with Genevieve Morton on the show. It, it, it's the most common one. And in fact, I would bet the Corvette and the Mustang are the two biggest mistakes people make all the time. Genevieve Morton is a Sports Illustrated swimsuit model from South Africa. Lovely girl. And she had always wanted an American muscle car. And while we were shooting the show, I picked out a, an old Mustang, an old Corvette from the 50s and something else, maybe a Chevelle. And uh, I said, have you driven any of these cars? She goes, no, I've driven nothing. And I said, boy, are you in for a surprise? Tell me right now what you think you're going to pick. And she said, I think I'll probably love that Corvette. And I said, you're going to hate that car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she goes, why? I go, you'll see. And boy, what an eye-opening surprise it was for her to get behind the wheel of those cars, especially that Corvette, that late 50s where your your legs are jammed up against the steering wheel. I, I drove it, and I was in hell. But yeah. You know, she picked the Mustang, which I think is probably the easiest to drive of all of those. And Absolutely. You're exactly right. Go drive these cars. Rent these cars first. Drive them before you buy them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Spike, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right. 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft has been manufacturing premium quality exterior and interior covers for over 50 years with a stellar reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit over 80,000 patterns and growing. They are the only cover I'll put on my vehicles. You can choose from a wide variety of fabrics, styles, colors, and more. From full cover designs for factory to custom-made vehicles, plus convertible top covers, trucks, truck cab coolers, motorcycles, scooters, ATVs, trailers, campers, 
personal watercraft, and a wide variety of custom features. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. That's Covercraft.com. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipic. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. Okay, Spike, we are back and we're entering the last lap and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? You got it. Here we go. What's the funniest thing that ever happened while filming Car Matchmaker? Uh, I really, <laughs> I think it was when my brother and I were pulled over uh, by the New York City Police Department for going through the Midtown Tunnel with cameras. And then I lied and said they weren't on, and they noticed the little <laughs> the light, the little red light blinking. And, and I shifted from TV show host to uh, Spike Ferriston to real Spike Ferriston going, oh, my God, I'm going to jail. That, that really tickled us after the fact. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, you didn't make it to the to the the jail cell, I hope. No, no, they were going to arrest us, but you know, I said to them, I go, "Will you take a good hard look at my brother and I and tell me you really think that we're terrorists? Really? Yeah. L- look at him. Yeah. He's eating Dunkin' Donuts every morning. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a goofball nerd with glasses. Y- give us a break." And, yeah. And- yeah, I, was, I remember that show. It was great fun seeing you with your brother, for sure. That was real. Well, maybe the same answer for this next question. What's the worst thing that ever happened to you while filming Car Matchmaker? Um, we had a guy come on who lied his way onto the show, who was, and I, and I forget his name or I would out him right now, who was a major league a-hole. And his idea was, his premise was, He's a comedian, and he's going to create a character, and he's going to come on and warn everybody about the apocalypse. So he's looking for three vehicles that are perfect for the uh, coming apocalypse. Oh, By my way, gosh. That's a cool show that I would totally do if the guy weren't a frustrated, bad comedian who didn't work and who actually couldn't pull the character off. So on the very first test drive, he started you know, making crazy faces and – and saying things like, uh, so what do you think? I go, so what do you think, think of the car? And he goes, I don't know, Spike. What do you think? <laughs> and I'd be like, seriously, joking aside, what do you think? Because, you know, we need to talk about the vehicle we have. And he, he, it just kept getting worse and worse. And it almost came to blows between me and him. Oh, <laughs> I said, I, I remember getting out of the car and going to the executive producer going, we have a major problem here. This guy is either nuts or he's playing a character He's not going to be able to sustain it over three days. <laughs> it won't work. Yeah. 
But you need to talk to him to see if we can salvage this show because we're, you know, these shows cost money and we're wasting network and, and production company time. It did not work out. We had to get rid of him that night and uh, had since heard that he had done the same thing on a variety of different sets, TV show sets. So, Oh, what a waste of time and money and frustration. Wow, that's a wild one. Well, what's the best lesson you learned after three seasons of Car Matchmaker? Here it is. All right. You ready? Yep. Don't drink it. No. Um <laughs> The best one, I think, is for your listeners and you, we're car guys, car ladies, car people who are always trying to help people who need help with cars, right? Right. One universal thing I think we all agree on is lots of people might listen to you, but they very infrequently take your advice. (laughs) They they just want to be validated. They just want to hear themselves talk. And frequently, they already know what they want or they're not ready to address their problem. The one thing I learned with Car Matchmaker is I have this advantage in that I can put them behind the wheel of my idea and they can feel it and drive it. And that does change minds. So if you are interested in helping your friend or neighbor or brother or sister, get them get them into your choice because it, it's like talking uh, a different language. It's right. really yeah. like talking a language they don't understand until they get behind the wheel and they go, oh, especially guys who've never driven performance cars. They go, oh, now I know why you're so mad about my Camry. I didn't know this existed. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yeah, I've been there, done that. Well, Mm -hmm. as you know, I'm a lifelong Porsche fanatic just like you. And my collector car in my garage is a 1987 930 that I affectionately call my Orange Crush. You've seen that car on Facebook and Instagram. Mm -hmm. But I love old 356. I love long hood 911s. Uh, As you can see on our Skype call here, my little uh, one of my my dream cars here amongst behind me. My curio cabinet full of cars. So if you were going to match Mark Green up with a collector Porsche, what would it be for me? Well, well, what's your budget? An unlimited budget? Let's play unlimited because it's an unlimited kind of day. I would recommend the green uh, IROC 74 RSR Porsche. <laughs> oh. Like RSs. <laughs> One of the 14 original IROCs, which I've driven uh, Jerry's Yellow on. They're outstanding. Everything you love about an RS, everything you love about an RSR, then you get into that thing, you will. it blows your mind. It's the purest, purest cocaine <laughs> that Porsche has to offer, in my humble opinion. Oh, you did it. You did it again, Mr. Car Matchmaker. My heart is like going a thousand beats. It's only going to cost you $2.3 million. Is that all? Oh, gosh. (laughs) Get out like Powerball. It's a $400 million jackpot this week. Is it? Okay. Well, I'll make sure I spend a buck when I pull in to get some gas. Okay. Okay. Here's another one for you. What's your favorite dish at the Malibu kitchen menu? You know, Bill, he thrills us with different things. He's such an interesting guy, you know, he, uh, and we'll be getting into this on the podcast. You know, I learned over the years all these interesting facts he's he used to be frank sinatra's uh, stage manager and he used to be a promoter for led zeppelin and you know was there when things were hurled out windows on sunset strip so he's such an interesting guy and he is you know he has this reputation for being the deli nazi which is like the soup nazi and it's you know if you know anything about the soup nazi at this point he's kind of an angry guy but also a genius with food bill is the same way <laughs> bill is a committed kind of New York gourmet deli guy. So we always go in and go, give us the poo-poo platter. And what that means is just give us the egg salad, the tuna fish, the uh, pretzel bread. His bakery goods are all baked by himself, and they're so good. My latest obsession is his grilled cheese. Ooh. You know, grilled cheese, right? Yeah. But ask for his grilled cheese, 
ask for his fried chicken, you will lose your mind. And um, and it's nice. Now we've got, you know, we brought the car shows to us a little bit. So, you know, we go out there every weekend and, and guys are always pulling up and something cool. And, you know, it makes for a nice couple of hours, you know, a great little breakfast. So, yeah. you know, let, if your fans want to come out anytime we're out there, just pay attention to my social media. I'm going to post when I'm going to be out there recording and, and feel free to say hi, not during the show. But um, there should be some pretty interesting people stopping by with me. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, listeners, you can find links to all this great information Spike has shared today on his show notes page at carsyad.com slash Spike Ferriston number two, since he's been here once before. So uh, check it out. All right, Spike, we're up to the last question. I call it the doozy question. And I'm wondering if your answer has changed since the last time you were here. I'm not sure if okay. you remember what you told me, but I'll tell you in a minute. So I'm going to buy you a very cool collector car today. Price is no subject since we're uh, going out there with RSRs and so forth. So this is a car that you got to keep. You got to drive. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with that little tricks off the table. So what would that car be and why? Hmm. And uh, I've got to use it for everything. I've got. Well, okay. no, no. It's it's a fun <laughs> car. You can keep the Prius. OK, <laughs> let's see. A fun car. Uh, I would probably choose a 911R right now. Ooh. I think that, that new 911R would be pretty neat if I could find the right color combination. Just because it feels like it would be fun everywhere. You know, a six-speed manual gear shift, 500 horsepower, skinny tires. You know, it just feels like fun. And so much of my life is not fun. And I, <laughs> I like the car <laughs> part of it to be the fun part. So uh, th that would be the one. You know, it, it seems like I could take that everywhere. Cars and coffee, canyons, to meetings in Hollywood, the whole deal. Now, you just blew my whole fantasy of Spike Ferriston. What do you mean your life's not fun? You're out there having fun every moment. <laughs> why, why should my life be fun? <laughs> oh, because... guy with kids, like, you know, most of you folks out there. Yeah. I have, life, I have work. Yeah. I have, you know, I started this production company, Hangar 56, a year ago, and it's, we've got a lot of content um, in the pipeline, but... You know, with that comes a lot of headaches, <laughs> but I'm very excited to uh, maybe a year from now, we'll be doing another show and I'll be telling you about some of the stuff we have on the air. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure we will. Now, do you remember the car you chose last time we spoke? I would have to guess it might be a Ferrari 250 short wheelbase. <laughs> yes. That it? Bruce Myers car, actually. Bruce Myers car. Yes. <laughs> I definitely want Bruce Myers car. You know, as a matter of fact, after that, he said, you know, Spike, it was really nice of you to bring that up. I'm going to let you drive that car. I have not heard from him since. What? Okay. I'm going to call him and bug him about that because, uh, you know, he definitely should let you get in that car. Bruce has been a guest here, of course. I have a perfect idea. I'm. Bruce, I'm inviting you on my podcast. You'll drive it out to Malibu, and then we'll drive your car and record it. How about that? I think you just nailed it right there. Absolutely. There okay, and I'll put in a good word for you, too, okay? <laughs> Sounds good. Well, Spike, as I knew, you've taken us on an awesome other ride today, and I've really enjoyed talking with you again. I want to thank you for telling us about this new project, and I wondered if you could uh, offer our listeners one parting piece of wisdom and guidance before you rip off into a canyon or head to the Malibu kitchen in that 911R. One piece of guidance. Let's see. Here's a little guidance for you for life with cars. Use ways you'll get fewer speeding tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. 
and out into speed traps. <laughs> I was just down in San Diego last weekend and with all the crazy traffic and I was with my sister and yeah, we were using ways to try to figure out how to get to the train on time because we were lost, but she insisted on stopping and getting an In-N-Out burger five yes. minutes before the train was leaving. I couldn't believe it. Yes, my sister, I do what I can. So very cool. And what's the best way for our listeners to be able to connect with you to learn more about what you're doing, to listen to Spike's Car Radio? What are the different ways they can find out about what you're um, doing? Well, the podcast is going to live on podcast1.com. You can find it there. You can find it at uh, iTunes Podcasts and Podcast One app. Um, and then I'm readily available on my social media. I usually respond to Instagram at Spike Ferriston and Facebook at Spike Ferriston messages all day long. So I'm happy to, uh, I, I may not be helping you pick cars out for an hour, but I'm happy to answer any simple questions. And uh, if you do have car questions, you can ask me and maybe I'll get to it on the podcast. Absolutely. Well, again, listeners, you can find links to everything Spike has shared on his show notes page at carsyad.com. Just go there, look for Spike Ferriston. And if you missed his first show about two years ago to the day almost here, you can check that out. Show number 276. And of course, today he's number eight hundred. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, woohoo indeed. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. Holy cow, I'm worn out. Well, Spike, thanks for coming back on Cars Yeah with me and for this chat. I wish you the absolute best success with your new venture, Spike's Car Radio. And until we talk again or I show up at the Malibu Kitchen, I'll see you down the road. All right. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, my friend. Bye-bye. What's every automotive enthusiast's dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah. Cars Yeah.